0: Welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast, where we challenge the stigma associated with mental illness through conversations about a variety of issues impacting mental health. Here, we bring you news, views, and interviews that intrigue, educate, and celebrate recovery. Leading us on this journey are the hosts of the Mind Vine Podcast, Daryl Mathers and Chris
1: Bovey. So, welcome to the Mind Vine Podcast. My name is Daryl Mathers. I'm with my co-host, Chris Bovey, and we have a very special guest, Bruno Gervinand. It'll be Bruno for the <laughs> remainder of the podcast, but I wanted to quickly get the, uh, the last name out uh, before, I, uh, before I forgot how to pronounce it. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank Thanks you. for having me, guys. Uh, a little bit of background about what we're doing here today. This is uh, our Bell Let's Talk edition of the Bind podcast. We actually have, uh, um, we're in the lobby of Ontario Shores, so we're going to have staff and, and patients and volunteers coming through as we're doing the podcast. We also have a group of students here on a, uh, a Tammy program, which is Together Against Mental Illness. It's an education program with the school board, and they come here occasionally to uh, learn about mental illness and stigma and do that kind of work. So they might be coming around in the next uh, few minutes as well. So I just want to give a little bit of background about bellett 's talk day and and then we 'll get into your story and and why you 're here and and all that great stuff so that 's great so bellett 's talk day for for people who don 't know people who might be not, uh, who might be listening that aren 't familiar was kind of like the Super Bowl for us in mental health care because <laughs> we remember a time when nobody would talk about uh, mental illness, and now we have a day uh, for a number of years where the world or the country's focus is on this day and on our cause, and it's, it's very exciting. And that's on the January 25th, which is when this podcast is being uh, released. And on that day, Bell will donate five cents to mental health programs across uh, Canada for every text message, mobile and long-distance call made by Bell Canada and Bell Alliant customers, every tweet using Bell, Let's Talk hashtag#. Every view of the Bell Let's Talk Day video at Facebook.com slash Bell Let's Talk. Every post using um, hashtag Bell Let's Talk. And on Snapchat, every use of the Bell Let's Talk Snapchat geofilter. So there's lots of ways that people can get engaged and, uh, and help uh, raise money and, and funds for, for mental health programs. Uh, last year, they had 125 million messages of support and raised more than $6 million. So... Uh, That's exciting and it's uh, exciting to have Bruno here today to help us uh, reach new heights in in 2017. So a little bit of background on Bruno before we we ask any questions. You're a military veteran, an entrepreneur, a North Pole explorer, which I'm excited to talk about, and an Invictus Games ambassador. Bruno is another one of our guests that makes me feel like I've done very little (laughs) with my life after reading his bio. So uh, after that introduction, we just want to start by maybe telling us how you, uh, how you got connected with Bell, and let's talk today. Uh Yeah, first of all, thank you very much for
2: having me here. It's a great honor to be here, and you guys got a world class facility here. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the Bell Let's Talk campaign uh, was through the organization True Patriot Love and the Invictus Games. Um, you know, uh, those two organizations uh, in connection with Bell um, got me. I'm very grateful and honored to be uh, you know a spokesperson for Bell Let's Talk because when I came back from the uh, North Pole expedition, I got in like you know to know about that that amazing campaign. I was like thinking you know what, that would be really good to get some veterans onto that campaign, really, just let's talk about it, and it was just so, just an easy campaign to talk about, and then all these people, celebrities, and all these people from all walk of life were just starting to talk about it, and getting out, and saying, hey, you know what, I struggle with this, but you know, I'm doing okay, and I'm going to be all right, and, um, and then, you know, it, everything led to another thing, and then this year, they've asked me to be part in, of, of this campaign, and I'm I'm so happy to be able to, uh, you know, voice um, the the voices of our men and women in the Canadian Forces and also of the veterans that are out there, you know, uh, struggling.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that'll kind of dovetail. I'd like to talk a little bit about You did two tours in Afghanistan with the Counter IED, which is Improvised Explosive Devices Team. I I can't imagine doing that job. Can you kind of maybe describe, even the first time that you had to defuse a bomb, the stress and the pressure, what, what was that like?
2: Um, you know what? The, the thing about that is that um, it's very important to know that the Canadian forces are some of the best forces in the world. We're extremely professional. We're very very well trained. Um, and um, to be honest with you, it has nothing to do with my abilities or anything like that. But because I was really well trained, um, there wasn't any stress or pressure. Like the, the first couple of calls, obviously, you, you, you just don't want to mess up, right? Because it's a <laughs> if you mess up it's over but um it it was really uh you get such a good focus and you know exactly what you're doing um that uh you know we're really good at what we do and and i'm i'm very grateful for that now that you know we're back from tour and the whole team came back and and is that it's just it's just we're we're we know what we're doing over there and and the the obviously we're at war and these are, are real bombs and you know there's the uh you know the attacks and everything that we go through but. Um, it was, uh, you know what? It was, it was, it was a great experience doing what you're trained to do.
0: Yeah, and I remember you you talked about one time that you actually had to defuse a live suicide bomber. What
2: was that like? Uh, well, that that was um, that was quite a story uh, because there's so much behind it, right? It's just not um, just a suicide bomber, and you would think that then you know that's just a cool call. But the thing is that if you take the the history of the calls that we had over there, so when we got a call about a suicide bomber, they either one had detonated already, so it was just a, what we call a post-blast uh, scene, which is where you go over there and you just secure the scene and you get it, gather evidence and you send that over to the investigative teams. Um, or um, they had shot a suicide bomber and then it just becomes a bomb and you just need to take care of the bomb. But when we got on, on the on the scene, uh, through the interpreter, uh, the uh, Afghan National Police was saying that, no, actually he's running around and we're looking for him. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow. that's a. Different different situations so everybody get back into the vehicles because we're pretty big targets over there and they That's especially counter id because we kind of like you know put a wrench in their plans and everything all the time but um so um we got back into our vehicles and then we we got another call saying that they got him. so i once again i'm thinking they shot this guy and we're just gonna go and dismantle this bomb just like any other thing and then uh, when I showed up at the end of that street um, there were two men holding this guy which had switched uh, you know coming off of his arms and he was wearing a vest and they were all alive and I was like wow this is this is it this is this is real so um, you know we went down there and um, we tied him up to uh, the fence and uh, I, I, I told everybody to get away from the scene and I went down there and I dismantled the bomb. Um, once I did that and everything was safe, we uh, we started doing the investigation. And uh, one of my teammates in- interrogated with the interpreter this this individual. And you know what? You're trained to think that everybody's a bad guy and everybody's you know uh, you know they just want to harm you and doing these things. But uh, you know uh, this guy was uh, mentally challenged. He had been uh, fasted for over two weeks, and uh, they had told him that if he didn't do that, they were going to kill his family. Mm. So um, I actually felt bad for the guy because I kind of, like, met up with him as they were taking him away, and I, I, I just had compassion for him. Isn't that crazy, like, I've on a scene like that? And that's, you know, brings in a whole new perspective on what's going on.
0: Yeah, and that, that's got to be difficult, that human interaction. Now, it was, I guess, after you came back from Afghanistan that you were diagnosed with PTSD. When did you start to sort of... If you can trace back when you look back and say, when did I start to see those symptoms and things that I was going through? Can you look back and say it was, well, I was in Afghanistan, I noticed sort of different behaviors
2: um it wasn't when I was in Afghanistan once again I, I like I said like there was not even one moment that I feared for my life over right. there there wasn't a thing we were so like w- once again was we so well trained the thing is that because of that you know after talking to a mental health expert because of that we kind of like learn to push everything aside and focus on what we need to do but when you come back home and you've been here for three six months and then your body says hey you know this stuff we didn't deal with for seven months how about we deal with it all today right and it comes in and then you start you know you don't know what's going on because um like I say often is that you I was on top of my game you're like you know you're a bomb disposal guy you're a diver you're a paratrooper you're doing all these things that and all of a sudden you're getting some feelings and emotions that you're not used to um I had never experienced anxiety before or panic attacks or even depression Mm -hmm. so um Now you're getting these things. And the way that we're trained is that we respond to fear and challenges and when you're not too sure what's happening with aggression or so so I would have a short fuse and I would find myself getting angry like to a level where it is almost uncontrollable, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't, I didn't like that. So I, I reached out to, you know, I would say about six months to almost a year after mm-hmm. coming back, I reached out to the medical system, and, um, and the Canadian forces took extremely well, good care of me. Right, and our, our unit doc was she was amazing and. And, you know, it took three times, actually, for her to convince me that I had post-traumatic stress disorder. It wasn't something, right? right. Uh, like I was, I was telling Daryl, is that I was going up this big river in Egypt, right? The Nile. And, um, you know, it, it happens to everybody else, but not me, right? Right. And then, uh, and then she, obviously, on the third time, because, you know, there was, there was a plan for suicide, there was darkness, there was everything, right, um, I decided to uh, go on medication and, and, and take the treatment and, and seek out it, actually, to get better, because I had a son, right? right? And I, that was my biggest why.
0: For sure. Now, I, I guess, you know, do you still think there's, you know, it's great the Armed Forces were there and had the, the, the programs for you, but we look at things like, you know, hockey, we're going to be at the Ashwa Generals, and there's sort of a... You know, if you look at athletes or, or military or first responders, that kind of notion that that's a weakness, does that still kind of exist that, you know, we measure, you know, what we've seen? And I'll give you an example. I remember I was on social media and I saw this. It was a U.S. Uh, a veteran or armed, someone with the military in the U.S. And it was somebody in this, In I think it was a referee that went through PTSD because he went through some things, and, and he, his response was, how the heck could you have ptsd you i saw people die you you don't you don't have the right to have that And we kind of judge levels of do you still think that exists in the military where people kind of judge sort of it as a weakness that you have
2: PTSD? um yeah it, that's the stigma right yeah. that's the whole point of it and it's very uh, um important to, to mention that the military has a, has a job to do and it's a very serious job and, 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 and you need to be conditioned and, and once again very well trained to do that job. Um, so and it's, that's their primary purpose um, and they're now the military is coming around and they're getting really well, well uh, geared towards mental health and they're talking a little bit more about it but you got to understand that which one is is more important. Is it what we need to do? And uh, as a group, as a collective, yeah. and 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 everybody in their mind, if you're going to be a warrior and train and do these things, um, you don't want to think about you know getting. The, the possibility of getting post-traumatic stress. You, you're not thinking about getting shot. You're not getting about getting hurt or anything like that because that would kind of prevent you from doing what you need to do. Right. Does that make sense? So, yeah. um And then, you know, and you brought up a point about how, you know, this guy was saying to this referee, how can you get PTSD when I saw people die? And, it, and that's another stigma that's out there. And it's very important for people to know that PTSD or anxiety or depression or anything like that doesn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. It's not because I went to war and then you only saw a car accident or something like that that you get less anxiety. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't care. It's just you get the same symptoms, you get the same everything. And it's, uh, and it's very important to share that because once again, then this brings up the talk about you're not alone. Right. And and we're sharing the same emotions and the same symptoms and that brings us closer together to be able to talk about it.
0: And one last question and I'll <laughs> But I, I guess uh, probably most the thing that I think, you know, you probably have people in the military that have come forward that have heard your story and felt like you gave them a voice. And that must be the most rewarding thing when you have other people in the military, that, that your story kind of empowered them to, to reach out for help.
2: Well, yeah, I, I've heard that. And a lot of guys, you know, still keep it very in silence, right? They, but they reach out to me and they tell me, you know, thank you very much for for being the spokesperson or being the, uh, you know, the voice that we listen. In. And, yeah, uh, you know, and it obviously being the the person that I am, I, like, I, I it's hard to take, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm just a normal guy. I'm just trying to, I decided to talk about it because I think, uh, you know, seeing a big guy from the military with the things that I've done, um, you know, talking about it, I think that's just what it, it's supposed to do. That's the purpose behind it, kind of mm-hmm. give that little ray of hope of people that it, it, it's okay to just... Talk about it, and everybody, actually everybody is going to go through a tough time in their lives. And if we say, you know, it's going to be all right, uh, you know, it might
1: alleviate some of the symptoms, right? Right, of course, yeah. Since you've been, you've been home, you've been in, uh, involved in the Invictus Games, you were the captain of, for Team Canada last year, which is the Invictus Games, for people who don't know, it's a competition for veterans, and it was started by Prince Harry, and when they were doing promotion for the Invictus Games, which are coming to Toronto this year, uh, you got to meet Prince Harry and Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister, what was that experience like?
2: Well, it's a little bit surreal, right? Once again, I'm just—I'm just a soldier. I'm just, you know, a guy who's, you know, runs his own gym in, in Victoria and does everyday things. Uh, but uh, Prince Harry is one. Genuine. He's, he's, he's exactly what you see even more. Uh, he's, uh, he's very, very um, considerate, and he, he, it doesn't matter what he's doing. If a veteran comes around and wants to talk to him, he'll stop what he's doing, and he'll talk to you. Mm. He'll talk to the family. He'll talk to them. Like some of my friends, like actually, uh, he was talking. One of them, was he was talking with uh, some very high dic- dignitaries, and he stopped talking to them, and he said, no, no, you finished, sir. And he said, ah, oh, I'm doing something important. What do you got to say, right? Mm. And he was like that. And I've met a couple of times with him. Um, Actually, one of the really good stories is that um, when we did the closing uh, ceremonies in Orlando, uh, Will, uh, which was the captain for the United States, gave me the Invictus flag to bring back to Canada. So I accepted the flag, and then there was, like, tons of people behind, like, the gears and the lighting people and all these things, and all of a sudden, I go to the back of the stage, and there's nobody. It's like, there's where's everybody gone, right? And I'm walking with this flag, trying to say, where do I put the flag, where do I go? <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden, from the corner, uh, this guy comes out behind the curtain and says, hey, good job, mate. And I turn around, and it's Prince... <laughs> Prince Harry. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, your highness, I, 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 what am I doing? Am I curtsying here? It's like I'm holding a flag. And, and he was like, hey, great job out there. I'll see you in Toronto. And, you know, how's everything going? Did you like the games? And it was like having a conversation with you guys. Wow. And that's how much he cares. And there was no entourage, no nothing. There was basically nobody around. And he's like that all the time. And it's not for the camera, which I have a lot of time. And this guy went to Afghanistan twice on tour. So he is a soldier. And he uh, came forward and said that he was suffering from Post traumatic stress
1: oh. disorder as well. The uh, the next one on my list is North Pole because you see that <laughs> you don't see that on people's uh, bios very often. You went to the North Pole, so why did you go to North Pole and and what was you know what was that like?
2: Um, well, it's 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 the, a life changing experience. Actually, that was probably the biggest healing experience that i've experienced since you know my injury and um, it was through the true patriot love foundation which is a foundation i'm very very close to um and to make kind of a story short I, I received i had just started my business at my gym two months in and this uh, retired general called michelle manzone gave me a call i had met him through the prince charles charities and um on his uh, interpreter course in in newfoundland and that and um he called me up and he says listen we're looking for uh, ill injured soldiers to go on this expedition to north pole would you like to go and I said yes right away because I, I kind of based um on a quote from Richard Branson which says if an opportunity shows up say yes then figure out how to do it later right so I, I said yes right away and I had just opened my business I didn't have any <laughs> staff and I didn't know what I was going to do but basically we went on this expedition so it was 12 soldiers and um it was um 41 uh, civilians and the crew because they made a, a documentary called march to the pole mm-hmm. um, and um, and it was all business leaders um, and it, it was it was incredible uh, the North Pole is beautiful it is uh, the most uh, peaceful place I've ever been it's clean you can actually see the curvature of the earth um, and it was I didn't bring any iPods I didn't bring anything I was just left with my thoughts and uh it took us six days 140 kilometers you pull your own toboggan and you have a backpack on your back right and then you just that's what you do and uh we brought uh, 12 soldiers to North Pole, and pretty much everybody left their problems up there mm-hmm. it was really really um quite
1: the healing experience
2: to, wow. to go up there
1: i mean that's an enormous challenge and i talking to you before we uh, before the camera started rolling and reading about you Um, fitness and those challenges that, you know, the fitness presents has really played a huge role in your recovery. Um, And you have a, you know, you have a CrossFit business now and, and uh, in your hometown in Victoria. So what, uh, you know, talk about the role that fitness has played in in your, in your healing and your personal recovery journey.
2: So a, a couple of things happened to kind of change things around for me, and I was—I I, I always say that I'm very fortunate to have the brain capacity to be able to, to figure that out. But it started with one, the, my biggest why, which was my son Maddox. Uh, I needed to be there around for him, right? Because like I said, I was really, I had a plan, I had a date, and I had everything. So, um, and then I decided, no, I got to be there for my son. The second part was... Uh, uh, A presentation on on post-traumatic stress disorder and neural pathways, and how the body created these neural pathways for me to be able to survive in Afghanistan, and how the military created those neural pathways for me to react to any situation, and it kind of light up a light for me to be able. Well, if I did that to be this way, I can reverse that and create new neural pathways and be healthy, Uh, which uh, you know it kind of lighted up for me. So that changed it up, and then I asked the question, what was I doing? when I was really healthy and on top of my game. And it was physical fitness. I was, you know, I was fit and I was healthy, I was eating well, I was doing everything that was conductive to being physically uh, fit, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and all that. And then so I started working out again. And then I realized that when you work out you release endorphin. Mm-hmm. So when you have a chemical imbalance inside of you when you're feeling anxiety, you know, depression and all these things uh, you know, uh, most people go for either medication, drugs or alcohol or something to change that chemical imbalance. Um, physical fitness will do that for you as well right away. You just have to start moving a little bit and it takes a little bit more time and a little bit more effort. But uh, then it became this, this, and it's still today, uh, my medication daily to, to work out and to get that. Uh, what I say my, my physical pill right um, so that I, I change that if I don't feel good in the morning or if I don't I'm having a really hard time um, I'll go do a workout because it'll change my physical and mental state right away.
0: Hmm. So I'm gonna hire Bruno for a Fitbit challenge so I can be <laughs> can I, can I a personal trainer maybe yeah, <laughs> but, but did you find um, what about the supports around you um did people rally around you or did people kind of not sure how to, to deal when sort of in your darkest corners, like uh, how they reacted? And, and you know, any advice for other family members that have a loved one that is going through something like this?
2: Yes. So um, obviously uh, mental illness in a family is one of the hardest thing ever, right? So you have, you have the story that you tell yourself as a sufferer. So, which is very important, I, I kind of coined this term, uh, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, so maybe don't, don't take that, but a, a second-hand PTSD, right, which is the spouses and, and loved ones and kids uh, get post-traumatic stress disorder from being around, you know, uh, or some type of anxiety from being around somebody who's suffering. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, not, I'm sure you guys know and seen this uh, all around, but basically, um, it's about communication, um, and and it's, I know that it's very, very hard. And I have one of the blog. It was my first blog. Was, I talked about communication. And it was about um, talking about what goes on inside of you when you're feeling good, not when you're feeling bad. Because when you're feeling bad, you're triggered. And it's kind of like you're not even in control of the car, right? It's just these things are, are automatic and they come out and they, and they do things. And it's, it's very hard for the loved ones to see you suffer and not knowing what's going on. And it's important to tell them that it has nothing to do with them. And uh, and sometimes, you know, the sufferer doesn't even, doesn't even know it's suffered. Like I can tell you, I was in den- denial, so there's nothing wrong with me. And, you know, what are you talking about? And, and then inside, you're telling yourself this story that if I continue like this, I might hurt my loved ones. So you kind of like pull yourself away from people mm-hmm. and you start to, you know, go down into the basement, I call it, and go down to your living room and you sleep more and you're trying to get away from things. And it's not really the way to do it. It's, it's a false thing that we're telling ourselves because the people that love us, the, you know, you, if you broke your arm, you know, you wouldn't say to your friend, hey, uh, you know what, uh, take care of that and I'll see you later. Uh, you know, I'll take you to the hospital. Let's go and take care of this arm, right? Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you're doing great work, Bruno. Mm, it was great yeah. to, to have you here. It was great Thank talking you. to you. If our viewers and listeners want to learn more about uh, the work you do, they can visit your website, crossfitstasis.com. They they would have more
2: information on my personal site at com. Sorry about that. Yeah, we'll
1: share that on our graphics on the finished version of the podcast. And uh, good luck with your work as a Bell Let's Talk day ambassador. Thank you for having me. I know it's a
0: busy couple of days for you, and we appreciate you making the time and all the best. Oh, this is great. Thank you very much, guys.
1: Thank you. And thanks to everybody for listening and watching the uh, MindBind podcast.